Welcome to another episode of Off the Post Boston Sports. It's me, Brandon. Alongside me is my boy Carter. What's going on, man? Another day. Another day. A lot of talk. Um, a lot of sports to discuss. Some releases of schedules. NHL, NWHL, Tom Brady, some goats. A lot of things going on today. It's been an eventful couple of weeks, I'll tell you that. Where do you want to start? Let, let's go there. What What is topic number one that you want to discuss? Let's kick it off with uh, the Boston Pride going one and one the first two games in the bubble up in Lake Placid. Uh, that first game against Minnesota, it just looked like both teams were really just getting their legs under them and getting the rust off. It was their first game against another uh, another team other than themselves, as they like to say. Yeah. Uh, just looked like... Yeah, just it, it looked like your first game back. And then it was 1-1. It was a great goal by Putinia there um, in the first. And then Minnesota equalized pretty quickly. It seemed like that was going to be the pattern in their second game against the Buttes. But right off, you know, uh, the Pride score first. Then the Buttes equalized. I think within a couple minutes afterwards, it looked like it was going to be another back and forth. And then the offense just unloaded. Yeah, floodgates opened up. And I, I almost want to compare it is – from what we saw from them after getting their legs underneath them and getting back into game form is kind of what the Bruins are doing. And you're starting to see that in a lot of sports that that first game back to your point, only practicing and playing against your teammates. It's a little bit of getting there. Some are going to get the dub, some aren't. And then it's back to normal after that. Cause that is two different teams that we saw after that game. Yeah. And, and the thing with the Bruins, especially in, as, along with along with the pride is, you know, you have no preseason. You're only playing against each other along. And for the Bruins, you know, you still have no Pasternak. He did practice today in a, in a contact jersey. So that's exciting. But they think they're going to rest him for another game just so he can get his not only his legs, but his lungs behind him. Cassidy um, said he will not play any of the home games, but he is traveling to Washington with the team on January 30th. So. We'll see what happens. I don't know if they'll put them right back in because, I mean, originally, Carter, it was what, two weeks into February was expectations? Yeah. So traveling with the team, I don't want people to get too overexcited because traveling with the team is completely different than being guaranteed in the game. I know that uh, I know that pretty well just from college experience. <laughs> yeah. So you can travel with the team, but it doesn't mean you're going to get in. And it might be one of those things that gets them back around the players on the road. He can do morning skate with them. And just kind of slowly get back into routine and then step on the ice after that. At that point for you, where do you put where do you where do you reshuffle the lines? Oh, you're putting you're putting pasta right on the top line, obviously. And and what do you do with your second and third lines? I knew you were gonna ask that. Um there's gonna be an odd man out. Um the first two people that come right to my mind, and I I don't know if you're gonna have the same ones or more. But I think it's a question mark between Stednika and DeBrusque. See, you know, and I've there's been a lot of talk about this, and I think DeBrusque is you just paid him too much money for him to be a healthy scratch. I think for me, I don't hate Stednika dropping out in, in dropping in another lineup throughout the season. I just based off of the first few games that I've seen would put a question mark over Chris Wagner's head. Just because I haven't seen anything spectacular from him, and I've really liked Studnika's attitude, and his, and I think he's you know he's obviously a great skater, and he's willing to put in that dirty work, and he can he's very capable of scoring a lot of goals. So I think Wagner is my question mark. 
I can see that. My only concern with taking Wags out is you do have that physicality level that he does bring. I mean, he might not be putting up the numbers, but he's definitely putting up the physicality. But you know, your who point, is, you know who is putting up the physicality and the numbers is Nick Ritchie. So I think you can I think you can swap out Wagner for a much more improved Ritchie than we saw last season. We also I, have Kevin Miller back, so there's that extra level of physicality. And then you have this random rookie, uh, Frederick, that nobody's heard of that wants to stand toe-to-toe with Subban right when he steps on the ice, which um, if I had a favorite right now that I'm really enjoying watching, and not to get away from your point, everybody bashed Richie at the end of last season, which I think you even said you got to give the guy more time. He's been given the time, and now he is succeeding. But Frederick has to be the talk of Boston right now. It's interesting to see, you know, he, you know, you get that number change, and that's definitely a little mental boost of confidence. He gets number eleven, which is, you know, historically a pretty exciting number in Boston uh, with the Bruins. And his attitude's been fantastic. He's backed by all the captains and the coaches. He's not afraid, like you said, to go toe to toe with NHL modern legends like PK Subban and proven, proven to fight too. Yeah, he's not he's not afraid and and he's he's he reminds me of Studnika but a little bit improved in the fact that he's you know he's ready. He's not you know Studnika may be a question mark being in and out of the lineup but I think Trent Frederick is not only a fan favorite right now but he's he's starting to cement his place in the t- in, in the in the you know middle in the middle two or three lines. And what I love what he's doing, he's taking an advantage of an opportunity. You know this at the level of college soccer that you played. When you are given an opportunity, you better do everything you can with that opportunity because it may be your last. And if you don't show up and give reasons for somebody to put you in a lineup, then you become healthy scratch. And then you become, oh, we're going to drop you down to Providence to where then you may not be heard of. You can't lack on opportunities that are given to you at that level of play. Yeah, and I talk about it in my other podcasts, especially when I'm talking mostly just about my backstory. Um, we had we had biweekly meetings in college and just and with the coaching staff. And what we talked about was, you know, things you could work on, things you're doing well, you know, aside from, you know, how things are going in classes. But, you know, it's what it's what you want to improve on. And I in college, I went into every meeting expecting to be walking out of that office cut from the team and so in training you know you do I did everything I possibly could to make sure that that didn't happen and the fact that I was potentially even improving my team so that's sort of the mentality that that I think that Trent Frederick has really shown so far it's very exciting um because the live videos I don't know if you saw it on the Boston Bruins fan page that we're on when we were down two nothing against the Flyers going into the third the other day Half this fan base want to write write the Bruins off that this is not their year and that they're too young and they're not ready. And it's mind-boggling that you're going to have a fan base try to drop a team, number one, so early in a short season, but so early in a game. And then what I have seen over, what, four periods now? It's a whole different team. They seem to be gelling a lot better. Do I think they're the best team in the NHL? No. Do I think they're a playoff contender? Yes. And with this type of season and how different it is, all you got to do is get in the playoffs, and then who knows? That was sort of the scenario last season as well, aside from the fact that the Bruins, aside from maybe Tampa, were the best team in the NHL. Correct. And 
it's the NHL over the last, I think, several seasons, last three or four seasons has proven that once you're in the playoffs, it's anybody's game. Anybody, anybody's absolutely capable of beating anybody in seven games. You just need to play to your potential. Yeah, and especially in hockey, which they say is the hardest sport to get back to the championship. Um, speaking on getting back to a championship. I knew you were going somewhere with that. He might not be. You like what I did there? Oh, uh, yeah, it's good. He might not be with New England, but he has been in my heart for 20 years. And if you are in my heart for 20 years, just because you put on a different jersey, I can't hate on you. My, our TV 12 is going back for his 10th. Let that soak in, folks. 10th Super Bowl ever. Yeah. So here's my thought. I had two different matchups that I wanted in the Super Bowl. Neither of them panned out. If I wanted, I wanted Brady to beat the Bills, or I wanted um, Green Bay to beat Kansas City. Both Kansas, both both the Bills and 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 Green Bay lost. And so, if I'm rooting for anyone here, I am rooting for Tom Brady because I wanted I wanted the Bills to make it to the Super Bowl for the first time in I don't even know over 20 years. And because I think I said in our last podcast, I, I didn't mention it in our last podcast. So I realized I forgot to say it. I, we were talking about who we wanted to go all the way. And I talked about Cleveland. My other team I wanted to go all the way was was Buffalo because AFC East pride, I guess. But the thing is, I can't I don't think I can handle Buffalo beating Tom Brady and the flack that we would or I, I, I couldn't handle that. And I really don't like Kansas City so I'm going back for for uh I'm going I'm supporting Tom Brady here. So I will agree with you on that. A couple things on my end. I the only reason I wanted the Bills to go to a Super Bowl was to play Tom Brady and then lose to Tom Brady. Exactly. After, after they've had to sit in the East AFC East for 20 years and just lose to Brady and then they think, "Oh, Brady's gone. We won the division. We're going to the Super Bowl." Oh wait. <laughs> We're playing Brady again. That would have been great. Um I did not want Rodgers to win. Uh, I'm, I'm so sick and tired. I think he is a hell of a quarterback. His stats are good. He's won a Super Bowl. But the fact that they continue to want to put his name and the word GOAT next to it at all, I, I can't accept it. You may disagree with me. I, I don't think he goes down as one of the greatest ever. A, a very good quarterback for Green Bay that won a Super Bowl, yes. But not one of the greatest. I just... He's had weapons. He's he hasn't had the coaching Brady's had, but he's had pieces around him, and he just can't get it done. Yeah, he had an MVP caliber season. That's without that's without question this year. Um, he's among the greatest regular season quarterbacks for sure. Uh, greatest of all time. I can't, you know, obviously, unlike you, I can't give it to him. Um, for for similar reasons, but I, you could argue he's easily among the greatest regular season quarterbacks in history. I will agree with you on that. The difference that makes me separate himself when I use the names like Peyton Manning or even Drew Brees, who has also only won one championship. You look at Brees's number; he's all time in so many different categories. Yeah, with one Super Bowl, which is fine. Then you look at Rodgers, and he's up there in the top five when it comes to stats, but he's not leading those. If he was leading them, I'd have a little bit different take on it. But I'd say Drew Brees, hands down, with only one Super Bowl, 
is definitely one of the best of all all time to ever play. Oh, for sure. But I can't do that with Rodgers. Can't. Do and it I don't Rogers. have anything against them. I don't have anything against the Packers. Nothing. I'm just calling a spade a spade. Yeah. Well, I I can't stand Kansas City's fan base almost as much as I can't stand Ohio State's fan base. So I'm going for the Bucks here. Yeah. Nope. Absolutely. I'm not a. I am a Patrick Mahomes hater. He is great. He's a phenomenal once in a generation athlete. Uh, but I can't stand Kansas City. Agreed. Um, irritating things are the fans. The way his girlfriend or fiance now goes on Instagram after a game and is just loud. Let's be clear, though. We, if you, you want, you want, you would love to be. We, you know, you want to be married to that. You want that in your corner. So, oh no, hey, absolutely. So let let me rephrase this. If she's not in my corner, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Can't but say it. If she is, then absolutely, I would want my wife to be doing that constantly. I was gonna. I almost said you want to be married to that, but you're you have your wife is awesome already, so that's fine. Yeah, I appreciate good disclosure and great recovery, Carter. I love it. But um, last night was actually really funny because Gronkowski, Gordy Gronkowski, Gronk's younger brother, um, I think it's his younger brother, went uh, live at their little party at their house, and I requested to go live with him, but he was so intoxicated he couldn't figure out how to go live. And he even said at one point, he's like, Boston Boy 83, I'm trying to bring you live with me. I just don't know what I'm doing. So, like, for five seconds there, I was all pumped thinking I was going to be live with one of the Gronkowskis. It didn't work, but I looked like a little kid in a candy store keep, that kept clicking the request button. Dreams are crushed. It happens. It does. That's adulthood. But, yeah, um, I like betting-wise, I like Tampa plus three and a half, only because Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl. He is an underdog, and almost every single Super Bowl has come down to a field goal. So I do like the plus three and a half. They are at home, and I think people are downplaying how much of an advantage that truly is going to be for the next two weeks. Yeah, it's interesting. And a, a, a crazy fact is is Tom Brady's never won a Super Bowl by more than a touchdown. Um, and that'll forever blow my mind. But one of the things that's interesting is this still is Tom Brady's first season playing in Tampa. I mean, you have the home field advantage, you have the fans. Um, one thing that the NFL is really do one thing that the NFL is doing that's really cool is that they're inviting 7,500 um, vaccinated healthcare workers, which is fantastic. Absolutely. Um, and but as I was, as I was saying, you know, I I'm pretty sure it's a grass field down there in Tampa, and and. I'm not sure just how well, you know, we know Tom Brady can play on any service in basically any weather, but a question mark I have is what about the rest of the new guys that they had? What, you know, is Antonio Brown going to be healthy, let alone being going to be able to perform well? Um, Leonard Fournette's been dropping a ton of passes and it's just, I, I, I worry about Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs just being, too good for home field advantage. So don't forget, last time they played was November 29th at Tampa. Kansas City won 27-24. Uh, Mahomes was 37 for 49 with 463 yards passing and three touchdowns. Only? Only. Brady was 27 for 41, 345. And here's the concern that I have. Three touchdowns, two interceptions. You look at his three picks yesterday, 
if Green Green Bay is going to go back and they're going to look at tape and regret what happened, they had so many opportunities to either come back or take a significant lead in the game and just could not capitalize on the turnovers. Brady, it, normally the guy that's not known for turnovers, has been throwing up a lot of picks this year. I, I, I got to get the number in front of me, but way more than he normally does with what? In New England, he throw four in a season? I mean, it depends. If you look at Tom Brady in the postseason, I think the closer he gets to the Super Bowl, historically, the more, the more interceptions he's thrown. I may be completely wrong, but just from my just from recent memory, that's what it seems like to me. In the regular season, he threw twelve this this year. Um, and to your point, he threw three against Green Bay. Well, none against New Orleans, none against Washington, one against Atlanta, and then you have to go back to November where he had back to back games with two picks, and then a game with three picks. I want to know: Is Gronkowski going to be a factor? He's been MIA besides blocking. I think Bruce Arians is using Gronkowski for what he's worth right now. I think he's still got great hands, but I think he's – I still think he's one big hit away from not being able to feel his legs from the waist down, and I think they're going to use him to what he's he's better at right now. They have plenty of guys that can catch the ball. They don't have a lot of tight ends that can block like Gronkowski. Gronkowski's going to block, and they might utilize him here and there um, because, you know, the defense is going to be preparing for a blocking tight end when all of a sudden Gronk's out in the middle of the slot and he can catch and he can run. He's still hard to take down, but I think Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to utilize Gronkowski for what he's really worth right now, which is his blocking. So speaking of Bruce Arians, one, you can tell he had no clue what to say because he's never been in the position that he's in now. He did say yesterday, he goes, it's never about one man, but this one guy took this team to a Super Bowl, And I'm like, Maybe your choice of words there in front of your entire team, which we all know because of Brady, they are where they are. But I was like, those choice of words questionable. How do you feel about the comment he made a few weeks ago that unlike New England, he allows Tom Brady to coach the team? think to me, it didn't really bother me, but it's almost like Bruce Arians is burning himself as a coach there. And the fact that he's just sort of not really coaching. It also makes me think, what has Tom Brady said about being with Bill Belichick? Because that doesn't come out of Bruce Arians' mouth unless that was discussed by Tom Brady. No, I think I think we all know who Bruce Arians is as a person, and we all know his mannerisms. We all know what he's about with the press especially. And I think if Bruce Arians is going to say what Bruce Arians is thinking, he's going to say what he's thinking. And, I think we all are well aware just based on not only anybody else in the league's testimonials, but we all know how Bill Belichick operates. We all know how the Patriots operate as an organization. Um, And that's not really a secret that Belichick is going to run things uh, the way that he wants to run things. They know that Brady's one of the better game managers in the history of football. And so does Bill. And the thing is, Bill Belichick understands that there's going to be things that are run a certain way, but, Calling things at the line is one of Tom's strengths, and he's going to let him do that. So when we bring up Belichick, I don't know. Did you catch what Romo said at the end of that Chiefs game? I did not. So he made the comment. He goes, I wouldn't be surprised. It was so weird, so out of the blue. If the Bills are not back here and it's New England here next year, 
because Bill knows what he needs to do and also now has a cap space to do it. And I thought that was an interesting plug after the type of season that we had. We don't know who our quarterback's going to be next year. Is it going to be a trade for Deshaun Watson? Is it going to be Matt Stafford? Is it going to be Mac Jones out of the draft? Like, we have no clue who our quarterback is next year. For Tony Romo to make that plug, who, let's be honest, usually knows everything that's going to happen, at least in every game that he calls before it happens. I was like, I hope you're onto something, Romo. I really do. I can't say I'm confident that he's right. I just think there's no. so many question marks. I would be nice if he was it would be really nice if he was right. But there's a lot of factors that we need to take into account when in that the Patriots have a lot of guys coming back who had opted out. We don't we for sure know that Jarrett Stidham is not the starter and he he may and, and probably should be gone, but probably won't we probably won't get a lot for him if we trade him or release him or anything. Um we don't we not only need a quarterback, but we need a backup quarterback because Brian Hoyer proved that he's worthless um, when he's when he's called to action. He might be a great third string quarterback. He might be that guy that can. He might be your practice quarterback, but Brian Hoyer is worthless as a second string that we that we've we saw we saw this year. He he completely he he dropped the ball literally and physically, uh, figuratively. Excuse me. Um, we need wide receivers. We need tight ends that can get open and catch the ball. It was great to see Asi, a guy like Asiasi get his first touchdown in the last game of the season, um, which is still baffling to me that, that, I mean, it, you know, Ryan Izzo was, was fine and was starting to be a threat, but that's, I put threat in many quotes. There's too many question marks for me right now compared to a team like the bills that are pretty solid. Um, they have an identity. They played very well to their strengths. I knew that, you know, after I think the first two drives with Buffalo, that Ryan Allen was going to beat him. Um, he was going to beat himself. And because he's, he's not experienced. It's the first – they had their first playoff win since 1995 this season. I think, you know, he's still a young kid. He's 25. He's, he's, almost, he's a year and a half older than me. And he's playing in the AFC Championship game. I think the lights were a little bit too big for him. And Patrick Mahomes has been there before. He's won a Super Bowl before, so the so I think it's it's definitely possible that that the Bills don't repeat what they were cap- what they were able to do this year because I think a lot of AFC teams are. I think Miami's on the hunt. Miami's definitely a very a very talented team. The Jets have a lot of potential to get very good. Uh, this offseason, and the Patriots are still coached by Bill Belichick. So I think the AFC is not only going to be a battleground, but it's it's definitely a big question mark next year. And I don't know if the Patriots have a solid enough foundation to make it back to an AFC championship game. And you just named two teams being the Jets and the Dolphins that are both in the running to possibly get Deshaun Watson. Apparently, the locker room is not taking – what's the word for this is it are not taking to Tua like the organization was hoping they were going to. Um, so there, I've already seen those talks. I also saw an, in, I saw an interesting, don't know the source, don't know how accurate it is, but chance of us trading Stefan Gilmore to grab a key receiver like Michael Gallup from Dallas. I wouldn't hate that for a couple of reasons. Um, Gilmore's kind of expressed that he's not happy here anymore, which is fine. And I understand that. Um, And we've proven that we can get 
we can be dangerous in the secondary without him. Um, J.C. Jackson, baby. J.C. Jackson. We hope that he can repeat that. Hopefully that's not just a, an amazing, a one amazing season and he's gone like a lot of other corners in Patriots history. Correct. Um, I think – I you know I've also heard once or twice that Fitzmagic may be making an appearance um, or maybe drawing interest from the Patriots for a, which I think would be a phenomenal bridge guy, um, a, he, a guy who's proven he can throw the ball very well, is still capable of getting it done on the ground when he has to, but is mostly a pocket passer, which is what Belichick likes. Agreed, and I I wouldn't mind that, but to your point, as a bridge, um. But I still, I'm, I'm a sucker for starting over completely, not getting a Matthew Stafford. Now, I'm not saying it would be a bad idea, but not getting a Matthew Stafford or Deshaun Watson. I would love to go into the draft, if available, to be able to get either one of the quarterbacks that were in the national championship. I mean, here's, here's the thing. Look at, look at the Packers right now. The Packers are set. I mean, they luck, I mean, they, they traded up to get a guy like Jordan Love, who was supposed to be it was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers' replacement, but the Packers got a great, you know, they it motivated Aaron Rodgers to have his one of his better regular seasons in recent history, an MVP caliber season, and they have a very highly touted backup quarterback who's now learned from a quarterback having his, his one of his better seasons. I think the Packers have a really good situation at quarterback. No, absolutely, right and we had that situation, but we also didn't expect TB12 to play another five years. Regardless of the fact that he said he wanted to play for until he was forty five. Yes, but. agreed. But I also thought thought that was smoking mirrors and that he I, I never thought he'd fall off the cliff. But I didn't know if it'd be an injury or if it'd just be, hey, I won another Super Bowl. I got number six. I'm gone, guys, kinda like Peyton did. But that didn't happen. I don't want to bring Jimmy G back. I've truly seen what Jimmy G is. I know our system is different, but he's gotten hurt, bad decisions. I think we lucked out and had a good four, three or four games with him when uh, Brady was uh, suspended. And we saw the best of what he could be, but he's not the answer. No, I mean, he, he brought, he brought the 49ers back to the Super Bowl, and, and granted the 49ers defense, I think was the root cause of their loss. Um, I don't think that Super Bowl loss was on Jimmy Garoppolo. I wouldn't hate seeing him back in New England. I think he would be really comfortable here. Um, I don't necessarily care if Jacoby Brissett comes back. Um, I think he's also a guy that's grown in Indianapolis um, and would do well again under Belichick. He's mobile, but he's definitely your classic pocket passer. Uh, I I think the Patriots have a lot of different very positive ways they could go about this offseason as long as they don't ignore um, the the obvious needs like wide receiver, tight end, and potentially, you know, some other offensive linemen and, and some and some pass rushers. It's it's it needs to be a real I think the Patriots need more than the fans realize that we need. No, and I agree with you because here's the thing. You go out and get a star quarterback like a Deshaun Watson. Let's just say that if you don't fix the wide receiver help that's going to do no good and i find it mind-boggling how you have people saying see new england if you would have kept tom you'd be in another super bowl false with the weapons that we had this season 
I don't care who is basically what we had yeah, last season. I don't care who your quarterback is. You're not getting to the Super Bowl. Period. Nikhil, I mean, Nikhil, it, was, hey, it was great that we managed to get a guy like Antonio Brown, but then his his personal life turned out to be an absolute mess that the Patriots just weren't willing to deal with. And it's you know, I'm I'm really happy for Antonio Brown that it, it sounds like he's cleaned up his his act and 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 Tom Brady has taken him under his wing like he wanted. I think had Antonio Brown worked out and stayed with the Patriots, I think only then would we still see Tom Brady. Correct. Tom Brady was able to sit down and say, you guys either give me $50 million guaranteed for two years, knowing that we're probably not going to be a whole lot, or you go out and get all the players I need, and then we'll talk. And we weren't able to execute either one of those situations. I mean, they tried. They drafted Nikhil Harry in the first round. He turned out to be not a first-round draft pick. They traded a second-round pick and, and picked up Mohamed Sanu, who just turned out to really – I mean, granted, he got injured at a really opportune time, and he just turned out to not really fit well in the system. And so those were two busts they tried, and it just it really blew up in their face. Yes. So to your point, we have tried. I do think next year will be better than this year. I don't think there we can backtrack ourselves any more than we did. Uh, don't say that now. Uh, I think Gunnar Ovechewski – is going to be the next Julian Edelman for New England, maybe not to his full caliber of Julian Edelman. But that raises another question. Does Julian Edelman wear a number 11 New England Patriots jersey next year? I hope for his sake that he retires. I really hope for his for his physical sake. He is so broken into 9,000 little pieces that I just I worry about a guy like that. You see, it, it reminds you of a guy like Wes Welker and a Danny Amendola. They get hit so hard. Like they, they care so much and they have so much drive and so much passion for the game, but they just get hit so hard and just bounce back up on every play and they come away with uh, from every season just in pieces. I mean, he's almost, he's what, 32, 33 years old? He's get he's, I mean, I, I applaud and understand his desire to want to keep going and prove to everyone that age is just a number and that they're still capable of, of, of absolute greatness, but... It just scares me just if he comes back. And I'm, I'm going to cheer for him no matter where he comes back, if he wears a Patriots jersey, if he retires. I just hope I, – I hope he retires. I do too. And I hope he doesn't try to go somewhere else if he still wants to play. I just – I want him to go down as started in New England, ended in New England. But then there is a little piece of me that can see him taking one year down in Tampa with Gronk and Brady to all just ride out into the sunset together. It's possible. We've, we've now learned that nothing is not probable. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, nothing would – very few things would surprise me anymore. Um, the fact that we had Cam Newton as a starter all season is still baffling Agreed. to me um, just because it's Cam Newton. Um, and the fact that – Nick Folk was probably our best player, um, aside from obviously Ryan Bailey and Matt Slater. But you know, you, we have such a history of quarterbacks and kickers and special teams, and the fa- you know, the fact that those three things are what they were this season with the Patriots. I'm, it's going to take a while for me to really put you know put it in cement and and mark it in history. It's, it's Ryan Bailey and, and and arguably Matt Slater. The you know I I we all know 
kickers, quarterbacks, and special teams have been such an integral part of the Patriots' success over the last 20 years. And the fact that it's Nick Folk and Cam Newton that were that were there this season, and Nick Folk crushed it, and who's historically an iffy kicker, it's, so, it's, it's going to be an interesting way to wrap my head around uh, what happened over the last several months, and we have a very interesting couple months ahead of us. Agreed. And if we thought 2020 was different and weird and not able to understand, today marks a day in 2021 that the Yankees and Boston Red Sox actually agreed to a trade. Adam Adovino. Which I, I don't know a whole lot about him, but I do know it cleared up some money for the Yankees that they needed cleared up. And they also gave us a million dollars cash as well. So it was kind of a win-win. Adovino is a very good starting pitcher, um, which is one of the things that we were desperately lacking. Um, he's a guy that's capable of going six, seven innings um, without dropping off too much. Wait, pitchers pitchers go six or seven innings? That's that's the way it works? Supposed, I mean, they used to go all nine. No, um, I know. I'm just speaking of a bad pitching staff that we've had. I'm not used to seeing a starting pitcher last four innings. Slowly but surely, it's looking like the Red Sox are starting to pick up on getting some of those guys that have proven themselves as dangerous in Major League Baseball, whether that be in the outfield with a guy like Kike Hernandez and now a guy like Adam Ottavino, and they're picking up a pitcher from Pittsburgh. And it's start the wheels are starting to roll with Haim Bloom, and people are starting to see that he's capable of bringing in guys that are able to do damage. Let me ask you this Do you feel we should shop Ben Attendee? I do. What's your reason behind it? Because I know I, I personally don't think so because I thought he had a great year under Cora, had a bad season last year. I think if you try to get rid of him now, I don't know how much you can get for him, and why not give him a start of his season back under Cora again? I don't have his numbers in front of me, but just from watching the just from watching the past couple the past two three seasons, it's been it seemed like it's been a steady decline. I don't like his attitude at all. I think I don't like players that get in their own heads. It really bugs the hell out of me. Yes. And players that get in their own heads either start, either do one of a couple things. They either really blame themselves. They really blame everyone else or they strictly blame the management. And I think he's in, from my perspective, he's done all three. Very true. And those are three strikes for me as, as someone who, in my early, when I first started playing in college, I was all in my own head. I only blamed myself and I was really hard on myself. And it doesn't help me, especially. It really doesn't help anybody around you. And it's not a good look for the coaches. And it definitely doesn't help you develop. So I think Benintendi, if we let him go now, gets a big return. Because he's still incredible. He's still very talented. He's proven that he's, he's fantastic defensively. Um, but fantastic defense, you know, baseball is a game, unfortunately, where defense doesn't mean offense. But so, if we if we lose, I just feel there'd be a little much of a gap to fill. If we lose him, Jackie Bradley more and more looks like he's going to be heading to the Mets. So I just think losing both of them would be such a big hit going into this season. I think, I think the Red Sox would be fine in the outfield. Um, I, you know, there's no, there's very few players defensively like Jackie Bradley Jr., but 
the Red Sox are so deep defensively, it's it's you can almost lose them both and you'd be okay. Because like I said, you know, the it, there's there's a lot of sports where you could say the best offense is a good defense. Best a great defense of baseball isn't gonna score you any runs. Absolutely so correct. So once the I think you could get a big return for a guy like Andrew Benintendi, and you improve. I think you improve the clubhouse with attitude. Absolutely, I could see that. I could absolutely see that. So that's why I like talking through this with you because when I first think about him, Michael, like, well, no Benintendi, no Jackie. That, that that's a gap. But to your point, we we now have Cora back, which I think is huge, and that, that did not help us last year. I'm a huge Ron, fan Ron of the Red Sox. Yes, I'm a huge fan of the Red Sox bringing Cora back. We won't get into the details of the cheating or anything, but it wasn't anything on an asteroid level by any means. Um, cheating is still cheating, but also if you're not, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So <laughs> I'm one of those firm believers. Everybody does it. Just hope you don't get caught. Yep. Um. That's an all sports. That's if you're if you're dumb enough to get caught, you should get punished. Correct. So having Cora gone for an entire year, fine. It really got swept under the rug due to COVID because it happened. The the sanctions came down. What maybe a month after COVID started, something like that. With it, and glad he's back. Yeah, I mean, it's a guy that that. I mean, we'll see now that he does have a spotlight on him and he's under a microscope by the league. We'll see if he can sort of bring back the tactics that he had um, that that brought us to 100 and was 118 wins. I think so. And we'll you know we'll see if we can get there. It might be a stretch because now we don't have a lot of the pieces that we did have um, in 2018. So it's. It's it's sort of similar to the Patriots, and there's a lot of question marks, but there are pieces are moving right now. Unlike the Patriots, you know, there's there's acquisitions being made, there's 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 deals happening, and the pitching staff is starting to look like an actual pitching staff with guys that have played in Major League Baseball before. Um, and it's uh, you know, JD Martinez is here to stay for at least another year, which is great. Hopefully, he can pick his offense back up. Like I said, we got Kike Hernandez, who's who's arguably the other best utility guy in the league. Correct. Uh, Devers is still on the come up. You still have Bogarts. Uh, Pedroia is probably going to finally retire for his own sake and for the Red Sox sake. Um, so second base is still kind of a question mark for the Red Sox. It's, it's going to be, I think it's going to be fine. I don't think they're going to win the AL East. I think they should finish above last place. Um, but I'm not expecting a phenomenal season, but I am expecting a better season. I expect a better season. I could see us being in the the running slash mix for a wild card, to your point, not winning the division by any means. Um, also, a little bit of a hot take that just came across my phone, and I just want to see which side that you fall on. Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman got into it pretty heated today. and What else is there? Stephen A., wants to blame the Packers coach for not going forward on fourth down, which I will side with that. I don't think they should have settled for that field goal. Of course not. Max Kellerman is blaming Aaron Rodgers and saying that he choked. This is the same guy that said Brady was falling off of a cliff seven years ago. 
I think Max Kellerman is one of the he's great for TV ratings because he says things that people don't want to hear and will disagree with. But I can't. Once again, I feel like it's another statement from Max that is just so far false that I don't think Rogers choked. I mean, first things first, I can't believe that was seven years ago. Um, God, it might it, it could have been five. It was a while ago, though. Anything over the five years was is too long ago. Um, but one of the things that makes Max and Stephen A so great um, is, well, for starters, they're both incredibly smart. They are historians of the game, and and whether it be basketball, football, kind of baseball, not so much hockey, um, but especially with basketball and football, they are absolute historians of the sport, and they know what they're talking about. Second, like you said, they do on occasion, uh, probably more often than not, make outlandish claims. But one of the reasons why it gains such traction is because if they're right about the claim that they make, it makes them look really good. And if not, it just generates more conversation about them and their show, which is fantastic for them anyway. So I think it doesn't make Max Kahneman any less credible. Um for the things that he said, I can't agree with the fact that he choked. Max must have seen something that I didn't in that game, and he obviously watched it much more closely than I did. Um, I have to, I have to agree that there were things that Aaron Rodgers wasn't ready for. I think they thought that playing in Green Bay was going to guarantee them a win. And I, I think agree. they have given them an over an overt sense of confidence that they didn't necessarily, it, it may have blinded them. But I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers choked. I think a lot of it, you know, it's, it's a team game. It's not just the coach. It's not just the quarterback. I think Matt LaFleur obviously should have gone for it on fourth down. Um, that's very optimistic to imagine that you're either going to recover the kick or get a stop in that amount of time. Um, but I think that's, that's Matt LaFleur still being a younger head coach um, and, and, and a less experienced head coach. Uh, and, you know, it's a tough way to learn, but, you know, I, I think I go back to, to sort of what I said about Aaron Rodgers being one of the better regular season quarterbacks and the fact that, Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers had a great regular season and they, he, I think he tried to, to do something new and it didn't work out. And that's how you learn sometimes. So I want to end this with a hot take or not even a hot take, more of a question. Will Aaron Rodgers be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers in 2021? I think it'd be really hard not to after the season that he had. Um, His comments though at the end were just, Oh, please. That's just, that's just end of season grief. Uh, is what that is for a guy who's in his late thirties. Um, and yeah, I, 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 he's, he, I'd be very surprised if he had, doesn't at least start the season uh, in training camp with, with the Packers. Um, yeah. That I don't think he's gone anywhere. Okay. Well, do you have anything else you want to end on? Yeah. The um, major league soccer just announced that uh, the regular season for 2021 will be starting on April 3rd. Uh, and preseason for all clubs will start late February. And one thing that's exciting um, is 
Major League Soccer just is adding their expansion team, Austin FC. This can be playing out of obviously Austin, Texas, with a phenomenal looking stadium. Um, sad to see one of uh, New England's longest tenured players, Diego Fagundes, go and sign with uh, Austin FC. But um, just, just so you know, Brandon, Diego Fagundes was playing professionally with the Revs uh, since he was 15 years old while he was still in high school. Um, and he's sort of a staple of what you think of when you think of the New England Revolution. And he's going to, he's, he should have eventually his number retired by the Revolution once he retires. He's still young. He's still in his late 20s. He's not much older than me. Um, and, but the Revs have made a couple of interesting offseason signings. They signed a new left back. They let their, I think one of their better left backs, Alex Bootner, go. I think there was just some, he had a weird end of the season. Um, and I know there are a couple details I can't disclose that I know about. Um, but it was definitely a weird end of the season for Alex Bootner, one of their better players who's come over from Europe, um, played in the Premier League, was very good. Um, but they just signed out of Columbia, I believe it was, a guy named Christian Mafla, who is, you know, is, he's, I think, one of the only other left-footed defensemen that, uh, defenders that the Revs have, and he will probably s- slide right in there. They re-signed goalkeeper Matt Turner, which is really exciting. I did see that. Um, and he, I'm guessing the Matt Turner is currently with the U.S. national team, uh, and I would be very surprised if he doesn't get his first national team cap against Trinidad and Tobago on the 31st, uh, which would be really cool to see Matt Turner playing um, in a game for the U.S. Henry Kessler. Uh, the Revs rookie of the year uh, was called up to the uh, U.S. national team U23s, but didn't get um, a final spot on the roster for that game against Trinidad. Um, but it was great to see the Revs uh, have two guys called up to the national team, which usually it's just in the last year or two, it's just been Matt Turner periodically getting called up. Um, but he hasn't made any final rosters until uh, it was announced, I believe it was yesterday or two days ago. But the Revs should have... Um, I think the Revs are primed to make another deep playoff run, maybe even push for an MLS Cup next year, and that's the first time I've said that in a while. So, Interesting. Now, since I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina now, and I know they just got an MLS team, correct me if I'm wrong, that Charlotte team will not be joining this season. No. It will be 2022. I, think, I believe it's them and St. Louis that will be joining in 2022. Okay. I'm ready for it to start because I'd love to go to my first MLS game ever and it be here in Charlotte and it be against Revolution. I know that North Carolina does have a USL team, uh, both men, both uh, a USL and an NWSL team, uh, pro women's team in North Carolina under the same, um, I believe I'm blanking. I had a, a teammate in college who played for them and I'm completely blanking on their name. Um uh, you do have a USL and an NWSL, an NWSL team out there in North Carolina, so there's still soccer for you to watch. Okay. Unless it's the Revolution, I'm still having trouble. Revolution or the USA team, I'm still having trouble being able to follow it. I, I did watch, what, three games last season, which you got to give me credit. I gave you a Come, lot of credit. Yes, coming from what I did have as a log of soccer games I've watched, which was probably zero unless it was USA, you've turned me into it. I'm starting to understand, understand it more. I'm starting when you say players' names. I'm like, yeah, I've heard of that you guy You're seeing before. faces now? 
Yeah, I am seeing faces. You've been a huge pusher on uh, our sports page with the New England Revolution. So that has helped when I go back and look at the stories. So uh, you're working on me, Carter. It's working. Good. Guys, we hope you enjoyed it. This is probably our longest one we've done. We had a lot of things to discuss. Um, I hope you guys enjoy. We, we hope you guys enjoy. Um, Carter, put your plug in for your goalkeeper. Uh, so if you guys don't, if you guys didn't uh, catch the last episode, I have started um, my own podcast called Just for Keeps, talking about uh, goalkeepers and everything that we go through as athletes, what makes us unique athletes, what brings us together as goalkeepers in the goalkeeper union. Um, I talked to a couple different goalkeepers already. One, uh, uh, two play in the USL. Uh, I've talked to my buddy who plays um, at Long Island University for their hockey team and is an Anaheim Ducks draft pick. Um, and he's, he's should be, he's had, he's had a, an incredible story. Um, I'm doing another interview tomorrow. Um, and that's going to be, I'm not going to give anything away, but that's going to be an exciting interview as well. I got a lot of people lined up. Uh, and it's, uh, it's shaping up to be an interesting podcast. It's called Just for Keeps, like, uh, just like, off the post, it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Uh, and it's it's I'm about uh, four, almost five episodes in at this point. So, awesome. Well, guys, if you haven't, again, go check it out. We'll be back as always. Um, pleasure with you, Carter. As you guys know, it's all sports, all Boston, all the time. It's off the post. We'll see you, Carter. <laughs>